These days, it may be considered old school, but in my mind, it's one of the most effective fish catchers of all time, whether it's old school or not. We're going to talk about that super effective bait on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks as always for tuning in to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I appreciate it very much and uh, also would appreciate it if you'd visit the fine folks at sportsmans.com or any one of 136 stores nationwide. They, of course, make all things Fishful possible, whether it be our Fishful Thinker YouTube channel, television, this podcast, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you happen to get our stuff, it's made possible by Sportsman's Warehouse. Guys, if you're a fan, I know what you're thinking. Oh, he's going to talk about one of the most effective fish catchers of all time. Oh, geez, it's going to be a finesse jig, and oh, geez, it's going to be a gold minnow. That's a good guess, and in my opinion, that is one of the best fish catchers of all time, if not the best. But not everybody agrees with me on that, and I would argue that there's some legitimate discussion for another version of a jig of some sort, but it's even not really even considered that per se. And what am I talking about? I'm talking about tubes or tube jigs. Uh, Really, it's tubes that you might put a jig in, but that's not the only way to rig it. Similar to the gulp minnow, there's lots of ways to do it, and that's part of the functionality of a tube jig or a gulp minnow. But We're going to get rid of the gulp minnow for the sake of this conversation, and we're going to talk about tube jigs. And it doesn't really seem to matter to me if I'm fishing for saltwater fish or freshwater fish or big fish or little fish uh, or frozen water or anything else. Uh, A tube jig is a very good call, or a tube, I should say. Most commonly, it's got a jig head put in it, therefore making a tube jig. But as with the gulp minnow, uh, the reason that it is so effective for a wide range of fish is because I can do almost anything with it. And if you told me that I had to go fishing and I had to catch you know, 30 species of fish in one trip across the country, I would happily take a tube jig as my primary weapon. Uh, that would not be a concern for me at all because I can fish it from zero to however many deep I want to go. I can fish it vertically or horizontally. I can rig it a variety of different ways. I can Texas rig it. I can put a tube or a jig head inside of it, as we discussed. Uh, There's just lots of ways to go about fishing a tube, and they've kind of gone out of style in, in these days. You just don't see that many guys outside of smallmouth bass fishermen the occasional crappie guys, you don't hear that many guys fishing tube jigs in the way that they used to fish them before. Uh, used to be very, very popular, and a lot of money was won in bass tournaments with them, which is what they were created for. Um, they were just a really very popular bait. When I worked at Sportsman's Warehouse years ago, we sold lots and lots of tubes, and all different kinds of tubes. We sold them during ice fishing season, lake trout fishing season, everything in between. We sold a lot of tubes. These days, if you go walk around a sportsman's warehouse, you're not going to see nearly as many tube jigs, uh, or tubes, I should say, variety-wise, because there's so many different plastic shapes that have come and gone since the tube 
But I'm going to throw out a couple key things that I think are, are critical to a tube jig success, right? Tubes success in general. I'm trying to keep the jig moniker out of it because it doesn't become a tube jig until you put a jig head in it. So let's reference tubes for, for the sake of the meat of this conversation because a, a jig is only one way to rig it. But the thing about it is if you're a fan of, of studying fish and fishing in general, um, you may be familiar with the name Keith Jones. Keith Jones is a fish guy, guru, whatever you want to call him. It works at Berkeley. Uh, he's basically the, the behavioral guy. He's half of a team. You have Dr. Keith Jones, and then you have John Prock now. Those two are effectively the duo that creates most of everything you see coming out of Berkeley when it comes to lures and the reason, or, or, or flavor lures, soft plastic lures, let's put it that way. Uh, Keith Jones figured out that the more stuff they put on a piece of plastic, the less bites it gets. So what do I mean by that? If you notice the two most successful baits, in my opinion, or most effective baits of all time, in my opinion, in terms of multi-species, uh, catch anything with it on any given day type bait, my two favorites, my the two that would get my vote would be the goat minnow and the tube. And if you think about those two baits, they neither have hardly any appendages to them. They don't have any really major built-in action of any kind. They are a very innocuous bait in that regard. And Dr. Keith Jones figured out that the more arms and legs and flappers and appendages that they put on the bait the less bites it would get from fish in lab situations. If you want fish to bite something, you keep it simple. And the extreme of that would be something like the soft stickworm craze or the Ned rig that came around. And I've had discussions with the inventor of the soft stickworm. You guys may think of it as a Senko. We throw the general around here, uh, which is a different version of that genre. There's a whole slew of those. No appendages on those. Uh, the Ned rig is basically a tiny little version of that with a jig head in one end of it. Again, no appendages. And when you talk to Ned Kale about it, that's part of the deal. He's like, as soon as you put a swim bait tail on it or you put a leg on it or whatever, just because you stuffed a stubby soft plastic on a, on a little... Uh, mushroom-shaped jig head does not make it a Ned rig in Ned's eyes. According to Ned, it can have no appendages. It needs to be basically a straight little body and a mushroom head jig, and that's it. Those things are not terribly dissimilar to a tube jig. If you put a tube on a Ned rig head and drug it around, I would be willing to bet you that you could keep up with anybody with a Ned rig on any given day. Anybody with a Ned rig dragging that thing around and you dragging around with a tube rig the same way and the same color, I'd be willing to bet you you could keep up with them on any given day. The the reason being is the only appendages on a tube are linear with the body. They don't tend to flare out because they're either molded or cut, depending on which tubes you use. And they are not molded such that they flare. And now if you turn a tube jig backwards and rig it, which is another way to rig it, uh, now you have a completely different beast altogether, uh, more along the lines of the classic old school hula grub, which is also kind of gone by the wayside these days, but, uh, but the same kind of concept. And basically that was an inverted tube jig attached to a double tail grub back in the day. The thing about the tube is it won't do anything you don't make it do except for one thing. And that is the, the, single most magical thing about it and a gold minnow in the way that I rig both of them 
uh, is that if you slack that bait out and you let it fall on complete slack line to the bottom, depending on how you have it rigged, I can make it spiral. I can, it, or it will make itself spiral. I can also make it nosedive, and I can do just about anything in between all in how I mount it on the jig head itself. And so that's one of the keys to the success. Another key to the success, other than the fact that I can change how it falls, I can make it spiral or I can make it nosedive or anywhere in between. Another key to the success is I can get them from about, I think probably the smallest tubes I've seen are in the three quarters of an inch range. And they go all the way up to 10 plus inches. I've seen some saltwater tubes for ocean applications that are 12 inches long. We're talking about massive tubes. And I've personally used tubes up to about 8 inches long to catch lake trout um, in Colorado as well as largemouth bass. And people don't think about an 8-inch tube as a largemouth bass lure. But believe me, if you're willing to throw an 8-inch swim bait, you ought to consider an 8-inch tube as well. The... The wide range of sizes, and I don't also want to reference just the lengths and the wide range of sizes, they're also available in a wide range of diameters, such that there's short fat tubes and there's long skinny tubes and, and a whole other variety. Again, it comes down to which ones you purchase. So part of the effectiveness is the huge range of shapes, uh, or excuse me, of, uh, of, of, you know, let's say aspect ratios, length versus thickness. Uh, and the overall length in general, and also the thing to consider within tube jigs is the wall thickness of the tube. How thick is the tube itself, such that a very thin-walled tube will be much more soft, much more supple, uh, and may in some cases limit your uh, rigging choices and will certainly limit its durability. Uh, versus a thicker-walled tube is going to be heavier overall, a little stiffer overall, um, and may open up some other rigging choices, and that can be important depending on exactly how you're fishing. So let's talk about some of the key things about rigging a tube jig, and it's not super relevant as to what we're fishing for. Um, perhaps I should back up and, and run off a list real quick here before I say what we're fishing for too much. Uh, everything from, in my case, snook and redfish, uh, inshore fish, for sure, Definitely tube jig eaters. Sea trout, for sure, tube jig eaters. They love them. You start coming into freshwater fishing, bass, walleyes, um, white bass, everybody loves a tube jig. I can't think of any species in freshwater, main species, species you guys have commonly heard of, that I haven't uh, caught to caught with a tube jig. I don't have the variety with the tube that I have with the gulp minnow. I'm at 78 species right now with a gulp minnow. Uh, I've got a spreadsheet that I've been keeping for years since that bait came out and I'm at 78 species with it. I'm probably in the 50 species range with the tube jig, although I haven't kept track of that one over the years. But I started fishing tube jigs a lot earlier in my life than I did gulp minnows, which I don't think we Got any gold minnows off the top of my head. It seems like I was introduced to them around 2004 or 5. Might not have been until 2006. Um, but regardless, the, the gold minnows came along a lot later in my life. But uh, the tube is very, very versatile because it has some of those same kind of qualities. The other thing about tubes similar to the minnow is I can fish it under ice. So it can be dead sticked and hung horizontally. Uh, it can be drug on the bottom. It can be hopped aggressively with light or not light weight on it. It can be fished straight vertically like you would consider a jigging spoon or a blade bait. 
can be fished very, very tight to the bottom and drug on the bottom. Uh, smallmouth bass guy might might uh, call that dragon, just straight dragon tubes. Very, very classic way to catch smallmouth bass. Uh, dragging a tube jig on the bottom. But you can do a, a what we call the Bernie or a stop-and-go retrieve because when you just retrieve a tube straight to you on a jig head, it will hunt around. Depending on how you have it rigged, it'll either hunt side to side some or it will actually spiral, which you don't want it to do if you're going to retrieve the bait. If you're letting the bait fall, the spiral is your friend. If you're trying to retrieve it through the water column, well, now the spiral is going to create a tremendous amount of line twist for you. So uh, in that case, we don't want it to do that. But again, that's going to come down to how we rig it. Uh, but basically, the retrieve options are almost limitless. And because it doesn't have any paddle tails or kickers or flippers or anything on it like that, it's totally up to me to make it do it. So let's talk first about the fall. Because in my opinion, the dropping or falling down through the water column is the most effective way in most cases to get bites. If you can get fish, if you can get around fish and get them to bite a falling retrieve, uh, you're going to catch a lot of them for me. For, for me, that's the one that is the best, is those slack line drops, because when I get that figured out and dialed, and I've been ardent line watcher, and I get that dialed, you can absolutely load the boat, because there's something about a bait falling through the water column that will get everybody to bite. And the whole shooting match becomes how fast does it fall down through the water column. And usually before I'm adjusting size or color of something uh, that I'm fishing vertical like that with, I'm going to adjust its fall rate. If I'm not getting enough bites to keep me happy or I feel like there's more bites to be had, the first thing I'm going to adjust typically is the fall rate and see if I can make fish bite better by sinking either slower or faster than I'm currently having uh, whatever it is I'm throwing sinking, and a tube jig is no different than that. The way you adjust the fall rate, of course, is by changing the weight. As all other things being equal, more weight, the faster it will sink. But I also have a different way to adjust that a little bit with a tube jig that you don't have with just about anybody else in terms of soft plastics and why it's so important. And that is that spiral we're talking about that spiral drop. We want that thing to go round and round and round like a coil spring on my tundra. When it starts headed for the bottom, we want it to go round and round. And how we accomplish that is by not stuffing the tube jig all, or the tube, excuse me, let me try that again, not stuffing the jig head all the way up inside the tube. So let's say I'm throwing a two and a half inch Maxent tube, which is one of my favorites, Powerbait Maxent tube as a smallmouth guide. I yelled at John Procknow, who's the chemist behind Gulp, for many, many years, please make me a tube out of Gulp. Please make me a tube out of Gulp. Every year, he told me, it's very difficult to mold Gulp and make it hollow. Okay, that's fine. Well, a few years later, here comes Maxent, uh, which is basically a power bait product. It's very porous. It holds a tremendous amount of scent in it in the same way that your kitchen sponge will hold a tremendous amount of water in it. It's very porous. That scent disperses into the water and creates some of the same flavor characteristics that Gulp does, only we have a PVC-based body, so it will not dry out like Gulp does. So it's a very stable bait as opposed to Gulp, which is a water-based resin and eventually dry out. 
the powder bait max scent will bleed off a ton of scent. Uh, and that, in combined with the tube jig, is a very, very good tool. So a two and a half inch or three and a half inch max scent tube is one of my favorite things uh, for smallmouth bait. And more often than not, it's the two and a half. But my home water, if you're familiar with my home lake, is not known for very big of smallmouth. And in fact, there's very, very few big ones in here. And my hookup percentage goes down significantly if I have too big of a piece of plastic. And the three and a half inch version is a little big for my fish on average. So if I'm going somewhere where there's bigger smallmouth or I'm fishing for largemouth or other species, the three and a half inch one gets the nod. But let's say I've got a two and a half inch tube and I'm going to stuff an eighth ounce jig head in it, Fusion 19 jig head in it. If I want that bait to, to do a very tight spiral to the bottom because I want it on the bottom as fast as possible scenario, then I'm going to put the jig head all the way in as far as it will go, even to the point of stretching the tube back a little bit when I punch the eye through the side of the tube to make sure that the jig head is stuffed all the way forward and stays there. What that's going to do is transfer or move as much weight as possible to the front of the tube, and that's going to make it have a more of a tendency to nosedive, and it will tighten up the spiral a whole bunch. Now, if I take that same 8-ounce ball head jig, and yes, I'm just referencing ball heads rather than tube heads, and I'll tell you why here in a second. If I take that same 8-ounce ball head jig and I leave an eighth of an inch between the lead head and the inner wall of the tube, I'm going to pick up a spiral in the range of maybe 12 inches in diameter. So now my tube is making a fairly lengthy trip to the bottom as it spirals around. If I take that same jig head and tube combo and I put that jig head only halfway in that tube and then poke it out, I've got a large air pocket now in the front and that tube jig is going to slide a very long ways in a circle, maybe as much as three feet if you do it right, two and a half feet, that it will spiral its way to the bottom. And that spiral fall, it, 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 it's, it's hard to overstate how effective that can be for a huge range of fish. And I'm not sure why it's such a good trigger other than the fact that if you throw a dead bait fish in the water, it tends to spiral on its way to the bottom. They don't nosedive and sink in a straight line. I assume that maybe fish's brains are programmed for that. I don't have any idea. I'm not a fish physiologist, but I can tell you that that spiral will get you a, a bunch of bites. So just by changing where the jig head goes inside the tube, I can change that a tremendous amount. And that gives me customization. Now, all other things being equal, I can create a wider spiral with a lighter jig head for a given tube size. So if I put a quarter ounce jig in the same size tube mounted in the same spot in the tube, it will not spiral as wide as an eighth ounce jig in that same spot in that same tube will. The more weight you add, the more the bait has a tendency to go straight to the bottom. If you're a fan of Fishful Thinker at all, you know that a high percentage of the time, I want just enough weight to get to wherever it is I need to get in the water column and keep control of the bait. Uh, I'm a big, I do a tremendous amount of stuff with 16th, 8th, and quarter ounce jigs. It's rare that I'm heavier than that. 8th ounce stuff does a lot of stuff for me. But there are times when I specifically want a very high fall rate, 
at which point I'll take a two and a half or three and a half inch tube and put maybe a three eighths ounce jig head in it. And that's very heavy for that tube. And the reason that it's, the, the reason I want to do that is I want the bait to be extremely reactive. So when I snap it up off the bottom, it beelines right back for the bottom. Or when I snap it up high in the water column, it beelines back. The, when I get days like that, you're looking for a pure reaction bite. And just for the record, that's an excellent way to catch walleyes. If you've watched any of my videos on YouTube, incidentally, please do. There's 620 of them, I think, up there, a couple million views worth. Um, there's bunches of instances of me snap jigging walleyes, whether it be with a gulp minnow or a tube jig or a jig and spoon, whatever. But it's a real aggressive snap, and then the bait immediately heads right back for the bottom very quickly. It's not a slow, subtle fall. The more time you give fish to look at a bait in some scenarios, the more times they'll refuse it. And that's the scenario what I'm talking about. And for the record, I was fishing with professional angler Steve Kennedy. If you're a bass fishing guy, you've probably heard of him. Um, neat guy, one of the fishiest guys I've ever been around in terms of just sheer fishiness. Just look at a situation, deduce what needs to happen, and make it happen right now. Uh, very, very intuitive, natural type angler. He succeeds not by having better tools than everybody. And in fact, my equipment's probably better than his equipment on any given day. Um, but he is very, very fishy. And I watched him beat up some walleyes during a bass fishing tournament because he was trying to get some big bass. And he had a half ounce jig head stuffed in a three inch tube. And he was snapping that tube up off the bottom. And the walleyes at Bull Shoals Lake were at, or excuse me, at, yeah, Bull Shoals, were absolutely smashing that thing. And uh, to the point where he put a couple of them in the live well for dinner in the middle of a Bassmaster Elite Series tournament, which I thought was kind of funny. But uh, at any rate, the heavy fall rate can be really good. That's easy to accomplish with the tube. And so that's another one that, that's a good scenario. Now, I mentioned about five minutes ago that I don't advocate or even use tube heads very often. Tube head is a jig head that's basically long and cylindrical instead of a ball. And the reason I don't is because I don't like to carry anything specialized. So if I can carry, I'm a multi-species guy. I travel around a lot and I fish a lot of species of fish. I mean, my first love in freshwater anyway is for sure large and smallmouth bass. Saltwater, my first love is snook. If, if you're familiar with fish, those are fairly similar species all the way around. But at the end of the day, I'm a multi-species guy. I could be trout fishing one day, walleye fishing the next day, wiper fishing the day after that, and then we're back on bass water somewhere. So anything's possible. I don't like specialized tools. So most of the jig heads I carry are ball head jigs, and I don't carry them in colors either. I typically carry them only in the natural silver color. And unless they're not available that way, which some jig heads are, are that way. Uh, but the reason that I don't carry the others is they're specialized. So I can take and accomplish the same horizontal hanging of a tube jig that a tube head would allow, a jig head made to go in a tube jig. If you've ever seen those, the lead is dispersed down the shank, the hook eye comes straight out of the middle, and the bait's designed to hang horizontally. They will spiral beautifully with a tube head in there, but I've got to carry a specialized jig head that I can only use for tube jigs, and I don't want that. So for me, I'll just take whatever round head jigs that I have, they're the, my standard ball head Fusion 18 jigs, and I will move that jig head up and down within the body of the tube to create whatever fall rate I want, rather than carrying a whole bunch of heavy jig heads now I, that I would need for a specialized application. Now, 
in the event that I want to rig a tube for some other ways, um, you can certainly do that. And the open jig head is by far the most common. It's the one that's done the most damage for me over the years by far. But a limitation being is it's going to foul hook uh, or foul, I should say, around vegetation or it'll snag and stuff more. So uh, if you get around wood cover, so there's times you need to Texas rig tubes. And a Texas rig tube was made hugely popular back in the day by, I believe, Denny Brower was one that, that made it real famous pitching docks with that thing. And uh, a Texas rig tube to this day is still one of my favorite things to pitch around. I throw a pit boss a ton. Again, if you guys are fans, you know I throw a, a pit boss a lot. But if I'm really having struggle and getting bites or my cover's really thick where I need something to slide down through it very cleanly, I will Texas rig a tube still to this day. And that's where your heavier walled tubes will come in. That's when you might need a bigger, beefier tube jig of some sort. I'll go to a traditional power tube at that case. And the reason being is they're a little bit more durable than a Maxent tube. And when you're Texas rigging with it, it, you need that extra durability, if at all possible. So I like to Texas rig a tube on an EWG hook because I want that that offset, that extra wide gap, I want that 90 degree offset in the eye of the hook to help hold it on. And it definitely does a good job of doing that uh, if, you, if you rig it correctly that way. The other thing you can do is when you get the tube Texas rig to stick a, a toothpick through the, or even a piece of line, a good stiff piece of, of fluorocarbon, put it through poke a hole through the tube itself, through, send it through the eye of the hook that's already tied on and Texas rigged and out the other side, and then melt both sides of that with a lighter. And now you'll have a good way to keep that tube on that Texas rig hook very easily. Then peg a sinker ahead of it, and you've got an extremely slick bait to pitch in and around heavy cover. And I just did a video not too long ago, and I was throwing a gilly, uh, which is a bluegill-shaped bait. It's a power bait product, uh, and it's very similar to a bluegill, very a hyper-realistic bluegill. I was pitching that around willows. That video got something like 410,000 views in a week. Um, it's on our Facebook, on the Fishful Thinker Facebook. But if you go look at that, one of the critiques I got a lot was people saying, oh, you need to be throwing something slicker that'll get through that cover. Well, the reason I wasn't in that case is because the cover was only on the surface. Once the bait popped through that little bit of, of cover that was in those willows, then it's got open water underneath it, and I need the thing to swim down there. Well, another good possibility in that scenario would have been a tube jig, on the Texas rig and a very, very light Texas rig at that and then pitch it and shake it and let it fall down through those the treetops of that willow and then down into the water underneath and you would have caught fish doing that as well. So and probably a tube jig is the most common bait that people think of for that. And I got a lot of heat from people saying, oh, the ghillie's not the right choice. You need something that'll go down easier. Well, I get it. I understand that. But they weren't reading the whole scenario. Believe me, if those willow bushes had extended all the way through the water column to the bottom, I would have had a tube jig on there. I can almost guarantee you that. Because even the flappers on something like my beloved pit boss would hang up in that scenario. And for sure, the ghillie would have as well. So the tube jig from the Texas rig standpoint, still one of my favorites. I still do a bunch of that. Uh, another thing about a tube jig is you can put them on a keel weighted hook on a Texas rig with a keel weighted hook also works very well because they are a fantastic bait for skipping. So if you need to, you need it weedless, you can put it on a keel weighted hook and skip it. And the keel weight meaning all the lead is on the shank of the hook instead of centered up at the eye like a jig head. 
those hooks are fantastic for getting a bait to cruise around in the weeds um, and not hanging. And same thing in saltwater around mangroves. If I want to eat to fish around mangroves, which I love, 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 one of my favorite things to do is fish around mangroves for snook. Uh, you can skip that thing like crazy up underneath mangroves and a tube jig and snook go together fantastic. And I've never, honestly, ever seen anybody else throwing tube jigs for snook. But believe me, it works. Works very, very well, and maybe that's why it works. But you don't see anybody doing it. But you can do it with that, or you can also skip tubes under docks on open jig heads or around cover, uh, as long as it's not real snaggy on an open jig head, and that works fantastic as well. But they're very, very easy to skip, too. Uh, and so that's, that's one of the things. Another interesting scenario that I think a tube jig works better than most other baits for is a drop shot. And somebody's going to say, well, what do you mean for a drop shot? Well, I like to occasionally do maybe in late July and August, I'll do a double stack drop shot and, or maybe even a triple stack. The reason is this, I have some fish that are really centered on the bottom and I mean like hyper-centered. I fish a lot of humps in that time of year uh, on guide trips for fishing humps a lot of the time, offshore structure. I'll have a high percentage of my fish will be sitting very tight to the bottom, but I also have a bunch of fish that are up off the water, up higher in the water column, and I want to be able to dress both at once. So instead of just a plain drop shot weight on the bottom, I will put a tube jig on the bottom. And then partway up the line, I'll put my gulp minnow or or flatworm or whatever the case is that I need up above it. And I might even do two of those. So in my state, it's legal to have three hooks. I might very well have a gulp minnow on two hooks and a tube jig on the bottom. And that rig will very often get me multiple bites or multiple fish at the same time for my clients, for one. And for two, it lets me fine tune my presentation in a hurry. If my jig, my tube's the one that's getting bit the most, I'll take the other stuff off and focus on the tube. If my baits are getting bit, the, the higher bait or maybe the highest bait of the three stack of the ones getting bit, then I'll take the tube off and I'll just put a sinker there that's a little bit less expensive in the event that I snag and lose it. So it works very good for me to discern whether my fish are zero to maybe as high as three feet. And yes, I will create a drop shot rig that's three feet tall. I'll have one that's three feet high, one that's say 12 inches high, and another one that's right on the bottom. And it's a Palomar, then down to another Palomar, then down to, uh, to the tube jig at the bottom that creates my bottom weight. So again, it gives me a very good versatility, in my opinion, for that scenario because it's, the jig itself is not being worked. It's the baits above it that you're very lightly shaking. The tube jig on the bottom gives them no negative clues. And again, it's going to be made out of Powerbait Max scent because it's hardly going to be moving if it's moving at all. And that's going to give any fish that does look at it real close to the bottom a little extra incentive to go ahead and pick it up. But that's a great choice with the tube. So I'm starting to go along again, guys. I'm trying. I'm a long-winded guy, and I'm trying to keep these things right around 30 minutes at the most. But we're at the 30-minute mark right now. So I want to go through a couple of real quick scenarios that I think the tube jig is most likely one of the best, if not the best bait. One of them... Uh, lake trout. Lake trout love tube jigs. And I know only a small percentage of you fish for lake trout, but the famous Bernie Keefe lake trout guide, Fishing with Bernie, is run by Dan Shannon now. Great guy as well. Bernie has since retired, moved to Florida. Love you, Bernie. Hope you're enjoying salt water. A tube jig in deep water for lake trout is fantastic. And I had probably, well, without question, my best day of lake trout fishing ever by throwing six inch long tube jigs 
with three-quarter ounce sinkers in them, fishing them vertically, three-quarter ounce leadheads in them, uh, putting them on the bottom and barely picking them up and dropping them, picking them up, dropping them, just barely. When I say picking it up, I'm talking about just enough to feel the weight of the jig head, not actually making the bait leave the bottom more than an inch or two. Fantastic choice. Another fantastic choice, ice out trout. Uh, ice out trout with a big wide spiraling fall on your tube jig is fantastic and I mean fantastic can be a great way to catch big trout right around ice out also good deep water trout bait uh, and just generally a trout bait in general tube jigs are fantastic trout bait uh, all the way around that's one of my choices where hey as we're right around ice out I'm gonna throw the tube uh, the one's weakness of gulp, in my opinion, is very, very cold water, and it gets very stiff in cold water, whereas power bait or Maxent uh, or any other soft plastics are made of PVC, and therefore they're not, they don't get quite so cold and dense in cold water. So the tube jig for ice-out trout can be absolutely fantastic. I already mentioned it, but I'm going to throw it out again. Dragon one for smallmouth, you gotta, you've got to have that skill set. It doesn't matter who you are. You could be Kevin Van Dam or or whoever it doesn't matter to me. I guarantee you, if you're talking about a high level bass pro, if there's a smallmouth tournament, they're going to have a tube jig tied on for one and for two. At some point in that tournament, they're going to drag it on the bottom. It's just part of the deal. Um, it's right up there with drop shotting these days. If you have to be proficient with it, especially if you're a smallmouth guy, dragging tube jigs is a fantastic way to catch smallmouth bass. So in that scenario, you got to have it, in my opinion. I'll throw out one more thing. If you really want to make your tube jigs extra good for walleyes and you want to have extra, you can put liquid inside that tube jig. I've seen guys take uh, power tubes and take a cotton ball dipped in gulp juice and put it inside the tube before they stuff the jig head in there. I've seen guys use some sort of jelly base scents and put it inside tube jigs. Berkeley's even made uh, scents in squeeze tubes that you can put inside tube jigs. Then as that tube is fished, it oozes out the back of the tube and gives you even more flavor than if it was molded in, in the case of, say, Powerbait Max scent. So that's another possible scenario as well. And then the last one I think that's where tube jig's excellent is just flat not moving. A little tiny tube jig hanging under a bobber is a great way to catch panfish. And I mean like a three-quarter inch tube, little tiny one, uh, little atomic teasers type tubes, uh, great ways to catch panfish crappies because they do so well in a pure vertical situation. So tubes, in my opinion, one of the best things. I carry lots of tubes and lots of gold minnows in my boat. And on any given day, either or both are on the deck of the boat. And more commonly than not, both will end up on the deck of the boat at some point. I carry them in everything from one inch to six inches in the boat all the time. Uh, the two and a halfs and three and a halfs are get tons and tons of use, and my color selection is kind of all over the board. I mean, when it comes to tubes, all the natural colors. Uh, you, if you guys are fans, you know I don't throw a tremendous amount of colors. I'm either a light, medium, or dark guy, or it's shiny. Um, it's either shiny or translucent, one of those things. So. Uh, not a green, a brown, a black, uh, fantastic colors and tubes. I'm not a huge fan of the, of the real bright colors like a lot of guys are, the whites, the pinks. Uh, I think you get less bites with them. That's just me personally. So, 
Got to have them. You got to understand how to fish them, and it's a worthwhile thing. They're cheap and easy. Keep your jig head selection simple. Keep them round. Get a good variety of sizes, and just make sure the hook lengths are okay, and you'll catch fish. Guys, if you want to join the conversation, we would appreciate that very much at Fishful Thinker, at Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube. Of course, look us up on your cable network stuff. We air five days a week on television, on World Fishing Network, and Altitude Sports Entertainment. And we would appreciate that very much. Otherwise, we hope you'll subscribe to this uh, podcast while you're here. Thanks for listening. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast. <laughs>